What's up, everybody? Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 61. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. Joining me today, as always, it's Hunter Ice Cream Scoops Dorset. I like that one. That's a good one. I could go with Ice Cream Scoops. I feel like I don't know what part of me is the scoop. But, like it's uh, those gigantic, luscious pecs you got, man. But hey, everyone listen out there. If you want to get on this scoop, you got it. What does that mean, Hunter? What the fuck know, was that? Know. I'm just letting you in on the scoop, Chase. <laughs> Look, I had a great nickname for you. You just got to leave it alone now. All right, Chase. You think you think every nickname is great. Hunter, I've given like what? Over the course of this show, 61-something episodes, plus guess. That's yeah. a lot of nicknames. Plus you had another podcast where you also had silly names. But so. I, I kept those names the same. Yeah, that's true. But they are still added to the total. I guess that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can't deny that. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Welcome to Witty Banter. Another episode is here. We, uh, we, we're still going through the internet. I was happy about our first go around, the effort. Absolutely. It was like, it was like wow. We, we really did it. We're totally, pro- we're cool, guys. We're professional. <laughs> <laughs> On to episode 61, sir. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go ahead and start off by reviewing a beer like we do every episode of Witty Banter. And today's beer comes from Wasatch Brewery, which we actually did one of their beers before. Yeah, they are a, they are a repeat brewery for us. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it had like a cowboy on it. But today's beer is the Devastator, and it's a double bock lager. And I thought it would be pretty cool to do back to back double box. Yeah, because like yeah, a little we, a little double up on the double bock. Hey, fucking a man, it's all playing together. These puns are just <laughs> writing themselves. No, but I figured like the last time we on the the last beer that we did. It was like, oh, well, we're kind of getting a feel for what the Doppelbach is, so why not just contrast that with another one? Yeah, and we had such a good run at it last time. Why not just double it up, man? And and then what? We had to like – so now that we're in separate places, in order to buy beer together, we (laughs) had to make a phone call and walk into a Specs. One in Houston, one in Austin, and basically sit there and be like, okay, do you see a beer that's green called the Hop Fiend? No, I don't. Do you see a beer that's called the this? Like, no, I don't see that one either. Yeah, we had a lot of whiffs yeah. before we uh, before we settled on the Doppelbach, but I'm excited for this one, man. I think this is going to be cool. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that we can draw from on our last experience, but it'll be new for sure. So I'm going to go ahead and read what they got on the back as you pour it up and get your first sip in, but it All says... Right, sounds it, good. The description is, if you're going to sin... Sin big. I kind of like that. Sounds like a Misfits lyric. Uh, What is that? Devil's Whorehouse, I think. With (laughs) 8% alcohol by volume and a creamy richness, this brew has developed a serious cult following. Imagine that. A cult following in Utah? These guys are getting cheeky. Yeah, they're they're quite cheeky. It's clever. 8%. I guess that's to be expected with a, a double anything, you know? 8% 8% alcohol by volume. I got a couple other specs here that uh, might interest our listeners. It's uh, available year-round, I believe. Uh, it's uh, Wasatch Brewery is actually a Utah brewery, and I think it's a part of something called like the Utah Brewers Collective, or Cooperative. Okay. That's kind of cool. It also <laughs> has 18, 18 IBUs, but I mean, I guess it's not really that important for a Doppelbach. It's not gonna, we're not expecting it to be very bitter. Right. But um, I have some other things, but I'm going to say those till halftime. Did you take a sip yet? I took my first sip. So here's the deal. When I poured it up, it honestly looks like Coke. It's like cola colored, and it's yeah. completely filtered. It's like a see-through dark. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I didn't really have much of a head on there. By the way, I've been listening to myself talk about beers, and I keep saying header. I think that's totally fucking wrong. <laughs> like I don't know why I keep calling these things header. It's okay, man. I mean... Like, you know, we've grew up doing writing papers and putting headers on stuff. Man, it's okay. It's seeped into my everyday life. <laughs> so just real quick, I'm, I'll just give you my first impressions before we move on. This beer's pretty sweet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't really notice much of a creaminess. Like, it's 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 claiming because I actually found the beer to and the mouthfeel to be pretty light, like really easy to even gulp, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Much like the cola that we referenced to. Indeed, yeah. This is like the <laughs> Coke of beers, <laughs> except not nearly as prominent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just right off the bat, it's just a very malty beer, almost like 
it almost smells kind of bready to me. Um, yeah, it is very malty. And I just got a ton of just, I don't know what the, I'm, I'm sure I'll end up saying toffee and caramel later, but for right now, it's just sweet to me. That's exactly what I was going to say, man. I was going to say top, either toffee or caramel. I mean, yeah. you, so you say caramel. What do you say? I say caramel. Well, as long as you don't say caramel, oh, okay. then we're fine. The emphasis on the E is uh, is well, dude, blasphemous. It's, it's the weirdest thing. One of my good friends had a girlfriend named, I, I think he pronounced it, it was like, cara, it's caramel. Caramel. It, her name was caramel. <laughs> it was caramel. And like, when he would say it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think like, oh, it's, he just said caramel. But when you would read it, it's like, caramel whatever you know i'm like what the hell oh, it's so strange there's some very interesting but yeah i think i think you're right i mean especially in comparison to the last week's doppelbach this is this is a little like thinner it's a little runnier than the yeah, last yeah. one we had and uh yeah so i think it's like notably maybe a little bit more sweet and uh very malty so i think that's a good place for us to you know put a pin in it put a pin in the pin pin oh yeah Hunter, are you ready to get into the news, man? Dude, I'm so ready. I've been waiting all week. Waiting all week for this. By the way, um, we're gonna start posting from here on out Fridays. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of come up with a, a little spiel in the beginning of the episodes to go through. But I will say now for listeners, we're gonna be posting Friday mornings. I haven't uh, figured out a time, but once we have the time down, you can expect the episode to come up every Friday at that time. So we're gonna start we're gonna start really being a little more consistent. Our social media game is about to really pick up. Oh yeah. So so if you don't follow us already, go to uh, on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Witty Banter Show, and um, you can find us on Facebook, which is Facebook.com/slash Witty Banter Podcast. I recommend you go. Check those channels out because we're going to start being um, a lot more active there. Yeah, please let us kick off your weekend in style. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, hey. yeah, like that one. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, whenever I did shrinkage, I realized, especially on the later nights, that sometimes you would come home and you'd be like totally brain dead and you had to yeah. talk for an hour, you know? Mm-hmm. And us doing this over the internet and doing it on Wednesday nights now, and fuck it, they might even be super late nights depending on work schedules. Like, I'm interested to see how this how the show moves and changes because you know it's going to and I'm you know I'm excited. It's to see ever it. morphing like the amoeba. The amoeba. It's I don't even think it's amoeba. I think it's amoeba. It's amoeba. Yeah. Okay. Let's start in the news. Let's do it. This is witty banter. You sounded fucking panicked, man. Golly. I gave a little like siren within my beeps. Yeah, you fucking remixed your beeps before you even finished doing it for the first time. All right, man. So our first news story today, the headline is GameStop stock plunges in after hours trading on weak Q2 earnings guidance. Hmm. So we have a little GameStop news here. Your favorite. My absolute favorite company. I will say, so like, you know, I think I, I took a pretty hard stance, maybe even on this show, about how like I didn't like to support GameStop as a business just because... Oh, you know, it was very harsh. <laughs> it's always been pretty harsh, I, right? I believe the words were, fuck GameStop. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely said that from time to time. Um, mostly because what I look at is just their super aggressive tactics at pushing used games and how used games can negatively affect um, just the games industry and hurt developers. But right. I, mm-hmm. I will say that... I've uh, watched interviews now with people who have done either like freelance work for GameStop or they work for them currently as like host to their videos and they've kind of gone out of their way to say like, look, there's people here who clearly care about games, you know, like, yes, they have this negative perception and it's, and it's honestly like, I still don't want to do business with these guys, but I do recognize that there are human beings running that company, you know? Right. Yeah. As yeah. any company, it's really easy to just generalize on a company and be like, screw everyone that works there. But it is made up of probably mostly good people. So yeah. I understand. So here we go. Here's the news story. GameStop stock is plummeting 8.31% to $27.49 in after hours trading on Thursday after the video game and consumer electronics retailer issued lower than expected earnings guidance for the fiscal 2016 second quarter. That was a hmm. behemoth of a sentence. Yeah, that sounds tough. The Grapevine, Texas-based company expects to report earnings of $0.23 cents to $0.30 cents per share for the next quarter, just below earnings estimates of $0.31 uh, cents per share. I had no idea that they came from Texas. 
Yeah, I didn't either. Comparable store sales are expected to decline 4% to 7% for the second quarter compared with an 8.1 increase for the fiscal 2015 second quarter. So I want to try to find a quote here that's, that points to maybe why they're declining um, so we can have a little nugget to go on before, before we start topping. Yeah, you know, just a little bit of perspective here. Because... I mean, I would I would venture to say that probably most other game industry stuff is probably doing well, right? Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. Like, I think it's it's super strange. This is totally this isn't this is unfounded because I'm just going off of poor memory. But I th- I want to say like console sales are like up, but overall software sales are down. Hmm. Like basically it, it's kind of been a red herring to look at the success of these new consoles because they are super successful when yeah. in actuality like software sales total are down from like the past few years or so. Yeah, and as hard as it is to like really stomach, I mean, console sales are more than just the video game sector because consoles do a lot more than just play video games, you know? Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean it's funny too. I, I totally I have a PS4 and I have an Xbox One and I will go, you know, you can have Netflix and all that stuff on the PlayStation 4, right? But mm-hmm. the second I'm done playing a game, I, I turn off the PlayStation 4, I turn on the Xbox, and that's how I get to YouTube, you know? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's so strange. And you still snap your fingers every time you say, Xbox, on. It's fucking dope, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, that machine has the power to embarrass you when yeah. it doesn't work. It really yeah. does. It really, yeah, you put yourself on a ledge there. So, look, I'll just give you one more sentence or two. I, I can't find what the... Um, what the reason okay, well, I mean, we can speculate if need be. Yeah, so we have a quote here that says, We exceeded our first quarter sto- same store sales and EPS guidance in a challenging retail environment due to the outperformance of our non-physical gaming businesses. So there you go. And that, w- that quote came from CEO Paul Rains. So yeah, it looks like he's actually pointing towards the sale of digital... Um, downloads as a reason for the decline and like it's it's so obvious right this is something that we've been kind of look everyone has kind of looked at GameStop and said like you guys better do something quick or you're going to be the next blockbuster yeah you know no absolutely I mean GameStop is basically still brick and mortar right there's not any sort of like digital uh way in order to like use GameStop effectively is there well like you can go buy digital codes for games there which is really strange um and you can buy <laughs> I'm like to go in person to do that like come on yeah I mean I guess it's for people who like want to buy gifts for somebody or something you know yeah okay okay you can buy like store credit there like you know uh fucking iTunes money and stuff but yeah I mean yeah. it's literally the exact same thing as Netflix blockbuster it sounds like Totally. So just a quick question. When you buy games, I know you don't buy them often. Are, <laughs> are you leaning more towards downloading them digitally now? Or are you still kind of someone who wants to go out and buy the, uh, the physical copy? I kind of like the physical copy, man. I mean, I, and I think it's dependent on the type of game. I mean, I think if it's a big game, I'd kind of rather have the disc. So why and is that? I just want, I'm curious what the psychology is behind that, you know? I feel like if it's like a small game, like, like Nidhogg, for yeah. instance, I just... I would if they had a disc for that, which I don't even think they do. I wouldn't. I would rather just download that, you know, digitally. But uh, with a big game, I mean, I just like to have kind of like that experience of putting the disc in the thing and like starting it up that way. I don't sure. know. I know that you have to like you have to do all the loading and saving and stuff before you, you can even start anyway. So it's kind of like you know whatever. But I don't know. I guess with like a bigger game like Lord of the Rings, like I I liked having the game that the Lord of the Rings game that I bought. I can't remember what it was, but like Shadow I liked Mordor. having yeah Shadow of Mordor. I liked having the disc in my hands. It was uh you know it was I wonder more for me. I wonder if that's tied to like since you know you're talking about bigger games, right? Uh, since those games usually cost more, I wonder if it's almost like a value thing where it's like since this thing is more valuable and, and costs more money, like. I almost feel better having it physically because I know that like it's actually mine, you know? Yeah, it's like there. I mean, let me ask this. In regards to digitally downloading your game, is it like once it's downloaded, then you will never have problems with it on a digital like platform anymore? Because I feel like if you have the physical disc and you plug it in, like it should work, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we're getting to a really weird place with consoles, though, where, like, so basically what will happen is when you buy it, you're basically receiving a credit from, you're receiving an entitlement from, let's say, Sony. Mm -hmm. And this entitlement basically just says, you own this game. So forever, as long as the store exists and you have that entitlement, you can go download that game again, because, like, let's say you delete it or something. It's always yours. Wow, okay. Kind of like the cloud, like with Apple and stuff. Okay. But the thing is, is like, like let's, let's, let's say that Sony goes out of business. You don't have access to that game anymore because you bought it on Sony's service, you know? Yeah. And so there's still some holes to be found there. And then when you ask about whether a game should always work when you have it physically, I mean, the fact that like some of these consoles or some of these games are either inherently always online, like maybe they're multiplayer only, or oh, yeah. the fact that some most games might require you to log into a server before you start playing. We're just getting to this weird gray area where it kind of sucks, but even just having it physically doesn't even guarantee you access to it. Yeah, yeah, it's but yeah, like with the way that the, the games are playing and like what is required of the games, and yeah, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to that sort of gameplay. Oh, well, that's interesting, man. Screw you, GameStop. Yeah, <laughs> suck it, man. I'm so happy you're failing. <laughs> All right, this next um, this next news story is a bit small, but it harkens back to a story that we did a long time ago about Amazon's uh, little speaker that you could talk to. Oh, I love the throwback. It's Echo, right? The uh, uh, Yeah, that was it. Totally. Okay, cool. Okay, so Amazon built a tool that puts Alexa in your browser. Amazon's Alexa personal assistant is super useful in the Echo and a lot of fun to use. But if you don't have an Echo or you can't buy one because you're outside of the U.S., it can be hard to appreciate Alexa's skill set. In light of this, Amazon has created a web app that lets you play with Alexa right in your browser. You can access the web app, the web app at Echo. Okay, here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. EchoSim.io, and it lets you ask Alexa all kinds of questions. Um, so the real purpose of this simulator is to let international devs see what Alexa is capable of, since Amazon doesn't yet sell the Echo or other Alexa devices outside of the U.S. Amazon says it was inspired by a project from a hackathon last year, and that's a throwaway sentence. I don't know what that's doing. <laughs> so I just thought this would be one kind of fun to mention because we mentioned the Echo, and we were kind of like questioning what its capabilities were as far as like what you can ask it and what it can do. But apparently, Amazon is giving everyone the opportunity to kind of play around with it in their browser, and so it think, might be fun to play with. I think, from my point of view, the first thing I'd want to ask it is why is Amazon not letting Alexa and Echo be sold outside of the U.S.? What is the deal with that? Yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of weird like business red tape there or something. Hmm. I mean, I have no I, idea. I think it's really cool though. I mean, I ha- I don't think I've. It, you would think that maybe like Apple would want to do that, <laughs> like allow Siri to be on your web browser, Safari, whatever. But you know, I was thinking about this. Um, I was hanging out with uh, my brother Wes uh, a couple weekends ago, and he was telling me about how bad he feels like Siri sucks now. Oh, He's I like, I agree, man. And he's like, no, like I used to have Siri and it used to be really good, but now the Siri that I have sucks now. Like it is comparably like different and worse now. Uh, And so I don't even use Siri anymore. I don't really know if I would use Alexa. I mean, what are you going to use it for? Like go into URL, type www. I mean, you know what I mean? Like what are you really going to use it for on on a web browser? Well, you hope when it gets smarter, you can just ask it random questions like who was the guy who was in this movie who wore like the red shirt? And it would like be able to fucking bring that up, you know? So do you, like, so do you think that this app pulls from like a search engine like Google or something in order to be able to answer its questions? Or yeah, I mean, I have no idea how the algorithms work, but it's got to be hooked up to the internet somehow. I mean, that's a big reason why Siri kind of tends to blow is because it doesn't have like a good connection. Like when it, whenever she says like I can't help you right now, it's because it's like mm-hmm. I can't I can't find the internet. You know, that's <laughs> what it should be saying. My cloud isn't over my head. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of freaks me out because I think there's been this push, especially with like Facebook, where just technology and companies in general want to pretend like they're your friend. You know, like Facebook would be like, hi, Chase, how you doing? I'm like, you don't fucking know me. You know, like, (laughs) don't say my name like that. I don't know, man. We've had Facebook profiles for like eight or nine years now. They probably do know us pretty well, man. Sure. I I mean, they definitely do. Like... I can only imagine if you took all of like my search engine searches and just everything I've ever put out there, you could probably 
create a clone of me and it, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. <laughs> Speaking of like throwback, uh, you know, being able to use this from the early days, I got a f- weird like MySpace uh, like thing about how there was like this big security hack and, oh, yeah, Mys- I, and I don't even have a MySpace anymore. And did you see that? I saw that their stuff had been compromised or something along those lines. Who uses MySpace anymore? Dude, apparently, I don't know. I've actually heard that MySpace is a really good platform for like music, for getting your music discovered. Hmm, Maybe I should hit that up, man. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why (laughs) your your band hasn't blown up yet. You're not using MySpace. (laughs) Maybe I should get all my information hacked by MySpace. (laughs) That's the way to proliferate. (laughs) Okay, this next story is pretty cool. Facebook and Microsoft are teaming up to lay an undersea cable system across the Atlantic Ocean that will deliver fast connections to online and cloud services from both companies. Constructions of the cable, called Maria, will begin in August, according to a statement from both companies, and is expected to be completed in October 2017. Maria, which is the Spanish word for tide, will span 4,100 miles from Virginia Beach, Virginia, to Balboa on the northern coast of Spain. The cable will have the ability to transmit as much as 160 terabytes per second. What? Making it the highest cap- the highest capacity cable of its kind to be laid under the ocean, according to both companies. By comparison, I don't even know like what that means under the ocean. Like, <laughs> like you're gonna go into the earth and put this cable, or is it just gonna be like a, a submarine cable? I think it's going to be like just laid at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. And probably just protected. And so that one wire will, I guess, like handle the data like crossways between like Europe and America and stuff or they basically want to hard create a hardwire connection between the two continents, you know. That, I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. And it's between Facebook and Google, you said? Facebook and Microsoft. Microsoft, okay. Which is cool. To, like, I, I kind of wanted to bring this up because it's like, what do you think about these two companies, megalithic companies, collaborating with each other? And what do you think about this push for um, to get this cable done? And I do want to add, as a quick aside, another reason why I was super interested in this is because it reminded me... Um, I learned this in a history class, but in the ni- er, in the 19th and early 20th century, uh, we there was a cable laid across the ocean just like they're they're planning to now, and it was called the transatlantic communications uh, cable, <laughs> and it was there to meant it was meant to hook up uh, just communications between the two telegrams and stuff. Yeah, between the two um, land masses, and here we are kind of doing the same thing, but in a much more high tech, different way. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. I guess I'm really just more interested in kind of what they plan on their uses being for it. Like, like what is what is Facebook and Microsoft like? Are they hatching some sort of scheme in order to be able to use this thing to to their benefit? I don't know like what uses this thing will actually be put under. Uh, I think it's really cool though. I mean, I think you know the globe is getting ever smaller, and this is just one big step. And making it even more smaller. 160 terabytes a second. That's fucking nuts, man. Sounds like a an anaconda times 10 cable. Yeah, I wonder what it fucking looks like. Yeah, I bet it's pretty big, man. Okay, last story we got here. This one, the headline is, EU warns governments against banning Uber and Airbnb. Had a bit wow, of, okay, I kind of like the sound of that. Okay, let's let's yeah. bring it on. We've had a bit of uh, Roy, or I mean, um, Uber news. So I figured we we continue with the yeah. The it's theme. been swirling. It's been swirling around. So it reads: the European Union governments should not ban services like home rental site Airbnb or ride hailing app Uber or ride hailing apps like Uber, except as a last resort, the EU says in new guidelines, seeking to rein in a crackdown on the, quote, sharing economy, end quote. In guidelines seen by Reuters, the European Commission said any restrictions by EU member states on these new online services should be justified and proportionate to the public interest at stake. They issued a quote. It says, total bans of an activity constitute a measure of last resort that should be applied only if and where no else and where no less restrictive requirements to attain a public interest can be used, end quote. And that's what the document that the EU created said. In the case, they're thinking clearly, in my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) In the case of room renting sites like Airbnb, the commission said banning short term 
said banning short-term lets of apartments, quote, appears difficult to justify, end quote, when limits on the maximum number of days apartments can be rented out would be more appropriate. So, you know, there's some more just information here that kind of talks about the two companies, but I kind of wanted to get your take. I think you and I are pretty pro like free market. I think you and I pretty much come down on the side of these companies oftentimes whenever they're facing government trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember the last time I've sided with, with more of a government versus a market side. Sure. But I remember whenever the, it was the year, it was in 2014 when you and I were actually overseas that in France they had a massive cab strike where every cab driver like blocked the entire, like a huge highway system. No way. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And so it just looks like now we we continue to see the growing pains of these um, apps and 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 services really shaking up economies and the EU is, is trying to urge people to go with the flow and, and kind of welcome them in. Well, I think that's right. I mean, you wonder how much, uh, making pronouncements like this is based off of, um, you know, stuff that they've seen in America, you know, that's going on. I mean, I know I'm sure Austin got a lot of, uh, eyes, you know, looking its way whenever it was saying like, Nope, we're just not going to use Lyft and uber anymore and that yeah. really bothers and continues to bother a lot of people uh that live there i mean here in austin we, we are seeing like underground facebook groups pop up where it's it's literally people are still trying to share rides and except now it's it's more like okay when i when i drop you off it's like now now you have to pay me it's totally unorganized yeah. but they're still trying to do it you know yeah i mean imagine i mean vimeo i'm sure uh, being able to just pay that way, like that, that could be like a new workaround for it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, at the end of the day, I don't really understand why, um, why the infrastructure that is, you know, such as taxis and even like, you know, some bus systems, I just don't really feel like it's, more secure or safe or um, really friendly in hardly any way for it to be something that you're vying to keep against, you know, these other... Because I feel like maybe the main reason, at least in Austin, like the biggest sort of cited reason as to why it was banned, as far as I understand, this is, again, atop, on top of my head, is uh, just that, like, they wouldn't... Uh, they wanted the drivers to go through security background screenings and stuff. And they were like, I don't want to do that because that's like, it's going to cost me money. And like, I didn't, you know, like this is a low overhead investment for me. And I think that's, what's the beauty of it is that like anyone can be a driver and it doesn't, it's not like a whole lot of investment in order to get to that position. So I just don't really understand why they need all of that upfront sort of like, regulatory garbage in order to feel like oh uber's not like safe enough or lyft is safe enough like it's not yeah and i I kind of whenever we were talking about it a couple episodes ago i kind of said the same thing that anytime people are kind of leveraging security risk as the reason that this something should be like changed or taken down i am inherently distrustful of it and it just seems like a really easy bargaining chip for someone who would be threatened by the existence of these sharing apps to be like, oh, well, look, you know, they don't do these things, you know, and a lot of people do say that most, you know, like taxi services require these background checks and fingerprints and all that. And it's it's really not that big of a hassle. But like you said, it, it still is an extra step to a company that is lean, mean and super successful. And at the, at the same time, though, I, I do think that they oftentimes play the part of a bully where they kind of see the market demand for them. And I mean, it's a bold move to say, all right, we're leaving then, you know? It's, I mean, they are disruptive enough and they know that what they've established has been quality, quality enough that they can leave and people are going to be like, wait, where the hell are you going? You know, right. like it's going to be a, a big deal and they have that bargaining power. But uh, I mean, I think that even if they are acting like a bully, at the end of the day, you got to go with one, what the customer says, which the customer is clearly not saying taxis right. and, uh, you know, whatever else other pr- transportation currently exists that's outside of these apps or whatever. 
But also, it's just like if you're really gonna like make the claim that it's all about this security risk and like we don't have a way of screening people and like all this stuff, it's like, dude, any taxi driver could go through all the same steps and then flip a switch and be crazy. So like, really, your argument is just about cynicism. Is that you don't think that just normal everyday people who sign up to do this, you think that they are dangerous? You know, I mean. Well, yeah. like, what do you, do you kind of take it that way too? Well, or? I, I do think that the the risk of of being in danger, like the risk of someone snapping and, and doing something terrible, like exists always throughout your day to day life. But the background checks are designed to say, okay, well, this person has a history of doing these things. You know, and that's true. That's true. So, but it doesn't seem like that should be like that hard of a deal, like to get to get background checks on people, like. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't really seem like it would be very difficult because I'm sure you can go online and, like, look up anybody and find out all sorts of crap about them, you know? What yeah, I mean? but, like, what, are you asking people to, like, go do a background check on their Uber driver before he comes and picks them up? Like, It just <laughs> seems like Skype would have the resources available to be able to have, like, a database where, Did you just like, say Skype? Or not Skype. <laughs> Damn it, product placement number two. Yeah, dude, they, they're worming their way in. <laughs> that Uber would have, like, enough resources at their disposal to be able to, like, you know, access oh, well, people's backgrounds do. without people having to put in all this effort in order to, like, be screened and all this crap. Yeah, I mean, I think they do have those resources, and it's really not, it's not so much that the Uber drivers don't want to put in the effort, because, yeah, they may have to do a little bit of paperwork, but it's more, it's more of just... Uh, Uber not wanting to to take on that responsibility, you know. Yeah, but in regards, to, I mean, I'm so I'm very proud of the EU for stepping up and being like, look, guys, like at the end of the day, this is a disruptive technology. People like it, and if you're gonna say that we're just gonna straight up put a ban on it, it needs to be proportional to what the people desire. You know, yeah. I mean, you can't just like, because like if you're, I can't remember the last thing that has just straight up gone under a ban you know yeah to you no i mean fucking four loco <laughs> <laughs> yeah but now four loco exists and it's a crappier version and it's not the same and no one likes four loco anymore right. so it's like because you can't Uber, get four loco you know basically the same thing yeah, usually same they thing. go hand in hand yeah all right man well that's all the news so why don't we go and take a little break and after halftime we'll come back and talk about the beer all right, back to the bit of it. If you want to follow the show once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Witty Banter Show. Also, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast and help the show get discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to wittybantershow at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website, wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back to the show. And we're back, everybody. And we're bit a bit Another halftime in the books. Yes, sir. We're putting that one right in the registry. That was a halftime. <laughs> Hunter, what do you think about this beer right now, man? So, I think, dude... I don't know if it would have popped up to me unless you had said it, but your initial take on it just like being like a cola, yeah, it really is, man. <laughs> it looks like it, it pours like it, and it kind of has like certain consistencies that borrow from it for a beer. And, um, you know, we already mentioned that it's very sweet. And, you know, you might say like... Caramel or caramel. That's a full caramel taste there. <laughs> maybe maybe a little toffee. I have a couple of uh, maybe some interesting tidbits. Some uh, beer connoisseurs might actually appreciate. Okay. There are two types of hops that are used, and they're called Magnum and Liberty. And there's two types of malts that are used, and they're called Pale in Munich. In this beer particular? Yes. Okay. So those are some of the uh, the brewing stats specs. Yeah, all you, all, all you brew nerds over there are getting chubs right now. If you know what those taste like, then you probably have a good taste on this beer. Yeah, then you probably aren't listening to this show. Cause <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, what what are do, have you gleaned anything new as we've as you know we've sat on it? This beer actually, I think, has opened itself up in a very nice in, in a way I wasn't expecting. I'm getting. Just, I think it's got just more complexity than I initially, I, I guess, expected. In the taste okay. now, I'm getting that sweetness uh, in the in the very front. 
and it is just a sweet uh, multi taste. But now. In the back end, there's just some more like roasty characteristic to me, but also like some nuttiness. Like it, it kind of tastes like it has a bit of just nut flavor in there, like a, a thick, rich nut or something. I think you nailed it, dude. And it still is pretty easy to like drink. It's super light or thin. And actually, that's something that I, is kind of detracting f- for me a little bit. I kind of wish it was a little thicker. I agree because on the can, like the first thing they say is that it's a creamy richness. And like, I don't really, I wouldn't put creamy on this. Yeah. You know? This this beer is not rich at all. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a poor beer. <laughs> a fucking plebeian. <laughs> but in the smell, I, I kind of said bready at the beginning of the show. I still get like a yeastiness in the smell, but it's, it's like a, um, it's almost like a biscuit type of yeast, you know, or type of smell. Yeah, dude. I actually, I mean, in doing my research, there were a few reviews, and they totally said the same thing, man. Breadiness, toastiness. Yeah. you. Yeah. I think you're nailing it, man. <laughs> I wish I could do that, because I seriously cannot. I mean, all it is, and for anybody who's also trying to like get better at pin- pinning flavors to a, a beverage, it's really not so much that like... I I taste it, or you should t- you should taste the beer, and then you're like, oh, that clearly tastes like something I've had before, and that something is blank. To me, it's more it how I've always been taught, and what's always helped me is someone will um, give me something to taste, and they'll point out like, okay, do you kind of feel that like sharpness in the in the back of the of the of the sip? What you're tasting is this, uh, you know, what you're yeah. tasting is is coffee, and then I say, oh, when I taste this in beer, I know that it's a coffee flavor, and yeah. it's not so much that it's like I taste it and I'm like, oh. That tastes just like when I drink coffee, but it's more of like when I feel these flavors, I can now associate them with words, you know, mm-hmm. and just yeah. kind of go from it that way. Do you way. remember when we brewed with uh, Tyrell and oh, yeah. he had like that little wheel of flavors and like some of them I was like, are you really going to use that as a descriptor for mm-hmm. like... Yeah, so we well, I mean, maybe, in wine, maybe we need to invest in one of those or I something. I think we might, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about weird descriptors in wine, like fucking... Some people will use like cat piss to describe <laughs> Riesling. It's like, one, you're a snob if you aren't saying that, but two, that's disgusting. I'm sure that like, you know, people that that cultivate wines would love for cat piss to be at the top of the hey, tongue. Some of them are probably like, yes, that's my shit. That's how I know it's going to be good. All right, man. Oh man. Let's okay. Go ahead, let's go ahead and move into our segment. What are we? What are we doing today, Hunter? All right, so I just came up with a top three for us today. My number three is definitely Goku's hair. I think my number two's got to be Hyper Beam. My number one is without a doubt Witty Banter. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. The tried and true Witty Banter flagship. Yeah. uh, You know, we like lists, and We we like to challenge our wittiness on air. And so what better way to do that than to list our top three favorite of something, or maybe even least favorite. Yeah, we could go both ways. So I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm using that secondary part to lead into what this top three is. So the top three for today is what are your top three biggest pet peeves that general people like in public places do for you? Like what really just pisses you off that normal everyday people do because you can't be like oh like i hate that my girlfriend likes watermelon seeds and i think watermelon seeds are weird like let's do it something that's like (laughs) damn it that goes my number one (laughs) (laughs) let's do it something that's like you know when you're in like a public spot or you're just around other people these people tend to do things that piss you off what are your top three pet peeves in those instances okay uh, I feel like I have a, a few good ones. Do you want me to go first, or do you you want to go first? Since I brought it, I feel like maybe I should take up the mantle. Go okay, first. man. Lay it on okay. me. Okay. We're going to go pyramidal scheme. We're going to do that three, and then that two, and then that numero uno. <laughs> yeah, the quintessential witty banter structure. ab so freaking lutely So, number three. I think my one of my bigger pet peeves is when people are horrible at parking. Yeah. Dude, when people, like... When people aren't within the lines, like very clear lines, and if it's like a skinny space, maybe I'll give them a little bit of leeway, but you got a big old space, and you're parking horizontally across that shit, there's like seriously nothing 
that peeves me off more than that when I like am coming into a space that that's probably like the only space I can get next to that guy. Right. You know, and so I don't know why, but that just really well, like I mean, even more than road rage. Like a lot of people really get road rage. I get parking rage. The thing is, is there is no better fucking just clear statement of rules and rule breaking than putting a fucking perfectly defined line and saying, stay in this. Yeah. Don't cross this. You're right. And then, because I mean, just today I saw someone who had backed into a spot and they were just completely over the line. And like, I can't, like, it's unbelievable. And then they, because you know, they walk out of the car and they're just like, nah. Well, they probably don't even look most of the time. <laughs> I mean, what you're really doing is it's an identifier of people who are completely inconsiderate. You know? <laughs> like, come on. Give me a break. People need to park. Get inside the line. That's my number three. Freaking park inside the lines. Okay. My number three is going to be people who walk slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing so f- is it like... People that walk slowly in front of you yes. or just the fact that some people just walk slow? You know, if you're on a, on a stroll, I get that. I go on strolls at times, but I do my best to make sure that I'm strolling in my own space. I'm not taking up anybody's fucking fast lane because, right. dude, when you go to a mall, there is just no better example of just a <laughs> bunch of fucking airheaded, completely aloof people just, just walking around. And I'm like, why did you come here? Why did I you like come Walmart to Walmart for that stuff too, dude? Oh, I, I can't. Walmart how is so to, perfect for how that. How often do you go to Walmart? I, I'm not often, but yeah. I mean, like one of my like my brother always brought up like you can watch people like coming out of Walmart and they're just like zombies, like looking up at the sky with their carts and stuff. That sounds exactly like you know the kind of person that's you know just sitting around. I fucking strolling. hate that, dude. I can't like I just have like an impatience, and it flares up really quick, and that is one of the easiest ways to make me just want to lose my mind. And like, I'm one of those people who I will like expressively walk faster past them as if mm-hmm. to say like, can't you see that you slowed me down? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Okay. Okay. I got you. No, that, that definitely annoys me as well. All right, man. What's your number two? So my number two, I feel like it's really my only one that's like clinging right up to the top of my head, but I feel like I'm going to really have to like sit on my number one. Cause I feel like if I really think about it, then like a really good one's going to yeah, pop someone's up. Someone's going to pop up there. Yeah. It's going to pop on up. It's going to fucking boil to the surface. <laughs> the cream rise to the top. Uh, so then my <laughs> number two, <laughs> my number two, uh, pet peeve is okay. So I was telling Mandy about this, like when people are in spots where there's a lot of sort of like traffic, like people are walking around and stuff and there's a natural flow that exists that people need to go in and people just obscure the entire passage. Like if you're walking in a hallway and like right where an intersection of a hallway is, you have like five people that decide to have their conversation right fucking yeah. in the middle of the intersection. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's like, I go out of my way to like, be like, yeah, please excuse me. Please get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't understand. Cause like, my first thing is if I'm going to have a conversation in a public place, I'm at least going to make sure that I'm not like in anyone's way. Well, you it's know? like when people stand in front of doors and shit. Yeah. Like literally walk right out of a door and just like plant their ass and start having a conversation. <laughs> it just, it just, it just really all of my pet peeves really just come down to general inconsiderateness. Like people yeah. that just really aren't considerate or aware of their surroundings because I feel like maybe sometimes I'm over aware of my surroundings. But we were watching just the fiber of social norms break down in front of us. And we're seriously, like, listen, I play really by the fucking rules. Me. I play by the rules. Why aren't you playing by the rules? Like, I have an anecdote for this. So, like, my mom and I went to Black Walnut Cafe, had a little mother-son Ooh. lunch. Yeah, it was really I, nice. Mother-son lunches, those are, those are special lunches. You got to cherish those. You really so do. So, on our way out... Uh, there is a table that gets up at the exact same time at us. And so there is like a really old lady, a really fat lady and a really young kid. That's a combination. And so they get up out, they get up at the same time at us, but they reach the threshold of a doorway before we do. And this is the only doorway to be able to get out and they're kind of going slow. You got an old lady there, you know, and it's taken like, like 30 seconds, but they just stop in the middle of the doorway and I start talking and they see that we, me and my mom are behind them. So I start waiting. I give it a solid 15 seconds. That's a long time. Seriously. That's a long time. Especially for me. Oh yeah. And so like, 
That's 100, 110 just, second door set. I just say, like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> please? And we're trying to get through. And my mom was like, Hunter, she's, she's an old lady. You know, like... It, like it was like because she was old, but then right after I said that, they scuttled on through. Like it right. wasn't a problem. It wasn't because she was old. It's because they had no idea what was going on around. Let's, let's not kid ourselves here and think that old people can't be jackasses. <laughs> you know, because they can. They can be. You know, you get when you're old, you get a lot of exempt cards, but you can only cash those in for so long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't like to think that old people aren't people. Because they are. <laughs> Very astute. <laughs> My number two. People who chew with their mouth open, Hunter. Ooh, dude. I, my, my dad would like slay anybody who chewed good. with their mouth open. That's the way it needs to be, man. I remember even at a young age, like second grade, when my friends would come over and fucking eat with their mouths open. I wanted to like, it's just the sound, like ma- eat, mouth noises when people eat. I could, I could puke. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter what's going on. We could be at a fucking football game and everyone's screaming. But if I hear someone's mouth noise, I will zero in on it. Uh-huh. And it's it's just it's unignorable. I can't do anything but listen to it. And it's just so fucking gross. Like even when people joke about it on, and who will come onto our, our podcast or whatever and they'll sit there like, oh, is this gross? And they'll do like mouth noises into the thing. And I'm like, dude, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm going to explode <laughs> if you mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> no, I think that's a solid one, man. That really it's just like you should be able to understand like you should be able to hear yourself. Like, yeah. would you want to hear somebody else? Like smacking it up like they that? don't even think about it. It's it's just not it's a non-issue to them. And then when you bring it up, they're like, "Oh, sorry." You know. I mean, that really comes down to like I guess a dogma about like etiquette, like etiquette from when we've been brought up, right? Like totally. Is and like I'm sure in other places, like no one gives a shit, but in in the South, yeah. you better close your mouth. We give a <laughs> shit over here. <laughs> so. Hi, man. Give me your so, number one. Uh, yeah. In, Top in of the bi- pyramid. In biding our time. I think I came up with a good one. And um, and I think you'll be able to find some satisfaction in me naming this one, hopefully. Okay. It's probably going to be mine or something. Okay. Well, maybe, I mean, if you need to borrow it, yeah. <laughs> I'm a friend. I'm a generous guy. I'm the, be- I'm the most generous guy. I'm the best guy. You're never um, going to meet another better guy. <laughs> My number one biggest pet peeve is when people are assholes to service uh, oh, providers. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't really matter where you are, if you're in a restaurant. Restaurant is highly indicative of these kinds of situations. But even if you're at a rent-a-car location or the other day I was at like the bank and some guy was just like, be it, or no, it wasn't the bank. It was CVS and he was like all pissed off about like his, uh, you know, and maybe he had a right to be or not, but whatever. But it's like when people are providing you a service and like, it's not like they are your slave or they are your servant. Like you should still be courteous to that person, especially Absolutely. like in the food service industry where they have a direct influence on what is going oh, to be yeah, put know, in your right? gullet. Like- <laughs> Like you are one foul mouth move away from miss from the guy going to the back to his favorite kitchen employee and just saying, Hey, do the number two to the pizza tonight. Absolutely, man. I mean, dude, Hubble and Hudson, I'm sure you got a few stories about being treated like shit. Oh, totally. I mean, mean, the thing is, is like, yeah, you've had the, the chance to work at least as a host. And I honestly think it always comes from just a fucked up power trip type thing where, it's like, yes, these people have to do this thing for me so I can take advantage of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also think that usually stems from people who haven't been in service positions before. Yeah. And you're right, man. It makes me super uncomfortable when I'm at, especially dining out, and my friend or somebody is treating the waiter like shit, you know? Yeah. And I've seen it. I see it all the time. Like, just a general, like, rudeness or closed-offness. And there are times where, like, it's earned. But even when you are having bad service, that isn't like an excuse to go ahead and lean into your asshole side. I like, agree. You can be Absolutely. curt. You can, you you know, you can be short and you can, it's, it's, it's going to affect your experience, but it doesn't, it's not an excuse to be a dick, you know? I think really just be clear, you know? I mean, hey, like, this is what I would like. If you could just give me this, like, I'd be good, you know? Yeah. Don't be a dick. Um, and plus, like, I don't know. Like you said that maybe some people that aren't in service situations, but I've seen just as many people 
that have been in service situation or have like worked in like the food service or service industry stuff. And they use that as an excuse to say like, Oh, I know what I'm doing yeah. and I know what's expected. So I'm going to be a dick to this guy. And it's like, you, <laughs> are you serious? Right. Like, <laughs> so I, don't I think know. that's like my number one, because that, I mean, it really makes me feel awkward. Like it sure. really like makes my skin crawl when I watch people being dick to dicks to people that they, it just is unnecessary, you know? Yeah. No, that's a good one. So my number one is going to be people who are late. Ooh, dude, punctuality is big in my books, man. Cannot fucking stand late people. So let's let's maybe get a threshold for lateness. Ten minutes, I'm pissed. Really? Maybe not like, so like once ten minutes hit, I'm like, all right, you're on my time now. You know, like, where are mm-hmm. you? Fifteen, I'd say ten to fifteen minutes is when I start checking the clock. You know, and like, yeah, yeah, you realize that even when you start meeting new people and hanging out with new people, you start to understand like how they kind of judge time. Because like, for me, it's like when I say, Hey, um, I will be home at this time. I will be ready to hang out at this time. That means like, I want you to come over at that time. You yeah. Know? I'm going to be doing everything in my effort to like follow that guideline you know and then, and then 15 minutes after that like all right hey man i'm leaving right now and i'm like what the fuck you know like i'm what am i supposed to do for 30 minutes you know before i can't start anything yeah well uh, there's two things i think this is there's two things right because when somebody is telling you like oh hey i'll be here at this time or i'll be like you can expect me at this time when it goes beyond that that's time that you're wasting waiting on that person so it's it's not just that it's not just that you had to wait on them. It's also the opportunity cost that you could be doing other things, but you can't because this guy's an asshole and doesn't keep his word. Yeah. But then like, there's, but then there's also just like the lack of responsibility. Like you're like, you know, can you hold your word? You know, like you said you were going to do this. Why can't you do this? Like, it's I mean, I, there is just like a fucking vapid, just I, people don't care so much about, be I don't know. It's just not a value that people hold, you know. Like we couldn't live in Spain, dude. Like yeah. as far as as far as uh, I've heard culturally about Spain, they'll be like, oh yeah, dude, let's go to dinner at eight, and then they meet up at like nine thirty, and that's when they start. And you're like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, I'd be there at seven forty-five. You know? <laughs> I don't know. But that's a good one, man. I think we. Uh, I feel good about those top three. Good. Yeah. No. Uh, no Lagranges in no that. No Lagranges in that one. Cool. Fucking bombs. <laughs> All right, man. So let's go ahead and move on to our mail segment. It's mail I'm excited. Today, we've got some mail, Hunter. Yes, we do. Emailing us at wittybantershow at gmail.com is Desiree, and she has a dating question. Oh, and yeah. You went ahead and emailed us probably the two worst people who could give advice on dating, but... <laughs> So she's, she's, got, she's got a question. She says, with the difficulties of social pr- pressures, how does dating outside of your economic class work? Does economic class play a large factor in love? Example, first dating question always asked by everyone. So what do you do for a living? Assuming this is defi- to define one's status. Thanks, Desiree. Desiree, you're the best. Seriously appreciate you reaching out to the show. Yeah, thanks for the question. And... It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I'm sure that there are many hours that could be unfolded talking about this, but we'll keep it succinct. Um, I tend to think that if class, whether it be like economic, like how much money you have, or like even like where you come from, if that really plays like a big stake in like what somebody really is considering to be of value or something that they're looking for, I would just think that that person in general is not worth dating, right? I mean, I feel like it does. It, it definitely does play, but that's what the, I was more say. That people, like, the more that people value that kind of stuff, like stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with like you as an individual, like what you have a direct influence on, it just is like, I don't like that. But at the same time, like if you saw someone who you thought was super attractive and like, let's say you're a, you're a professional person and mm-hmm. you've got a decent career started and mm-hmm. you see this super attractive person, maybe in like just a retail store and they're like, you, you have, you can be in a situation where it's okay. What does it say about this person that they're kind of working an hourly job? Does, is that reflect maybe on their intelligence or maturity or 
does it not whatsoever? You know, like it could be a factor. I, I tend to agree with you that it shouldn't be a, a big deal because ultimately it's not. It's not someone's how much money someone have is is not at all reflective uh, to who they are as, as as a character. Yeah, I do want to say that um, in in a utopian type sense, the more intelligent you are, the more money you should have. Um, but that's probably not always the case. Uh, oh no, yeah, definitely not. And when she says, but when she says that people's first question normally is, "What do you do for a living?" and that's a gauge to. Um, de- like to figure out what class is. I disagree with that. Like, I really enjoy figuring out what people do just so I can have something to talk to them about. You know, just so I can say, right. like, what do you do? Okay, what is that? What do you do in in that um, sphere? What do you like about it? You know, it, for me, it's never like a money thing, unless you know. And, and of course, like if someone says, "Oh, well, I am the fucking CEO of this," and I'm like, "Oh <laughs> shit, you're rich, and I'm not," yeah, you know, and awesome. you and you and I's, and and I will say that like economic quote-unquote class like probably will affect how much you have in common with somebody you know like if someone lives a, a, a di- yeah, they're like gonna we're not a gonna be dating hobos you know and yeah i mean like if i see a beautiful hobo you gotta be super beautiful you gotta be super beautiful super like you gotta be smart you gotta be on the edge of not being a hobo <laughs> yeah you gotta have like the most clever hobo sign i've ever seen <laughs> yeah but no I, I'm I like mean, i guess like i i think you're right and like you know, everybody's going to have those sorts of questions, at least up front. Like, yeah, what does this person do? Like, how does this person like survive and like get by? But I feel like the people that place value in it and say like, oh, well, like this is how I almost classify this person because they have this kind of job. It just is. I think that's weak and it's shallow, you know? So I feel like people that really do put a lot, like there are plenty of people that put a lot of weight in those sorts of, I guess, attributes about people, but those are probably not the people that you should be looking to date. I mean, you should be wanting to date somebody who likes you for who you are. And if you say like, what do you do for a living? That's one thing, but you could easily twist that into just, what do you do? You know, you could say, I mean, we like I have several hobbies that I could say that I do for a living, quote unquote, outside of work. You know, I don't make money off of them, but it's well, then you don't of, do it for a living. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I do it. I do it. I kind of do. I mean, I feel like if I didn't have podcasting and music and just like a lot of the creative stuff that I had going on, I wouldn't be able to bear work half the time. You know? Well, I will say like, it's pretty easy to say that you should be dating someone who values like your personality over your, your monetary thing. I think that's something that like we can all agree on. I think maybe, and right. I don't know, she didn't say this in the question, but maybe just reading into it, maybe she's like, she talks about social pressures. Maybe she just feels like that is how people are consistently like evaluating her. And she's trying to get around that. Yeah. It's and a I sizing would, up game. Yeah. And I would say like, try to be just obscure then, you know, and like purposely give an answer that can't really be taken one way or the other glide right past it. And maybe, and maybe mix them up. If they ask that, like give them an answer that's kind of going to like perplex them. And then you're kind of on, you're, you're on the higher ground at that point. You know, you're, yeah. you're the balls in their court. And hopefully it's not too cliche. I mean, I, I seriously don't even really know the story that well, but I'd like to think that the general tenet of Romeo and Juliet can hold true, that you got two people from two completely different places, two different walks of life. You know, they have different backgrounds, different families, different values. But at the end of the day, if they really like the person, they like who that person is, I think it should work out, you know? Sure. So. All right, Desiree, thank you so much for the question. We've got one more question, though. No, we don't. This one comes from Twitter at the Nick Salazar, who, by the way, is a fucking badass dude. Hunter, I think you've been in the stream uh, over at Twitch a couple of times. He'll come out and he'll hang out in the Twitch stream. Yeah, he's um, he's he's a he's a he seems kind of like a badass on the a, uh, on the Twitch realm. Yeah, he's like a reporter. He's he's super cool, dude. He asks us to debate the pronunciation of GIF. Oh wow, G- that's G-I-F. that's really good. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know that like the definitive answer from the person who created it came out like a year or two ago. I've already forgotten what he said. Did it? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. Who created the? Who created it? Some guy. He came out and basically said like, "You guys are all saying it wrong. It's GIF <laughs> instead of GIF." Wow. Okay, I still I still say GIF. But I say, it, I say GIF too, but I feel like it just sounds wrong. What What, what do you mean? If you say it, it's like the same way like. 
Okay, we're about to get a little R-rated, but it's the end of the episode. All right, man. I used to say that jizz was G-I-Z-Z. So, like, I understand... <laughs> I get, what, are you, what were you, like, well, like I super understand, young? I understand, your... like, feeling like the, like the natural way that you spell or think about something in your mind, that it's spelled differently than how it is in actuality. So, like, with GIF, I just feel like... I feel like if I say GIF, I just know that that's, like, the wrong way to say it, but that's what everyone uses. It's, like, the standard yeah. wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. But then and then you get into the territory where you get in a room and someone says it the opposite way, and maybe you just said it the other way. So there is, like, a fucking purposeful acknowledgement that you two have a different pronunciation of it, and then you get in that awkward, like, who's going to correct who, huh? What yeah. are you going to say? Plus, isn't GIF a butter or a peanut butter? Yeah, choosy moms, man. Yeah, that is a J-I-F GIF. And so to say that G-I-F is also GIF, that seems kind of contradictory in the English language for me. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for the question, Nick. You can tweet at me, at Bodacious Chase, or tweet at the show, at Witty Banter Show, if you want to get your questions read on the air. But, Hunter, let's go ahead and put some numbers on this beer, and then we'll get out of here. Okay, cool, man. So, you said... <laughs> I got nice a little burp, burp, by the way. Got a little yeah. burp out, you know. Uh, so you said that you felt like this was opening up, uh, which I guess makes me think that you look. You were looking at it differently, maybe at halftime than you were when you first started. I mean, is it still kind of uh, has it opened up for you still? Like, what what are you thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, all of those flavors are just kind of settling in, and they're they're like the entirety of the uh, of the flavor profile now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you got your cop, your caramel. You noted on toffee. You noted on nuttiness. You noted on breadiness. Yep. Would it be fair if we have all these different, all these different sort of tastes that we're getting from this Doppelbach, to say that it's a complex beer? Would you say this is a complex beer? I think if I were gonna be forced to put a yes or no on the complexity of this beer, I'd have to say yes. I'd have to say this is a complex beer. I'd say it was a complex beer too. I mean. I, <laughs> I don't know my. I don't really know a lot about Doppelbox. I think this is, uh, you know, this is a good learning experience, even from the last one. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's complex. But I think that, you know, I listened back to the lap last episode, and the and the descriptors that you and I were using to describe it uh, really noted at. It was a it was a very complex beer. The Iinger was a very complex Doppelbach, but it was still just so like it was so good and like nice, and it just seemed like everything was playing out well. I feel like this might be a little less balanced in its complexity. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah, I guess so. So should you want to put a number on it first, or I'll me? I'll put a number on it. So basically, in the smell, um, I get just like a sweet roasty, um, bready, like biscuity, bready scent, uh, from the smell. Uh, the first flavor I get on the front of the taste is just really sweet malt. Um, just, you know, toffee and caramel, like we like, we like, like to say, um, on the back end though, I do get this, just like kind of thick nuttiness and it's not creamy to me or deep or rich. I do think that with the mouthfeel, it is a very thin, but drinkable beer because of that. But I do think that the thinness is kind of playing against it, and it doesn't hold up what is going on well enough. And that it is a little sweet to me, like a little too sweet. I just I'm not a big fan of beers that are super sweet. That's just my own personal taste. Fine. Um, but I still think this is a good like beer and a good a good Doppelbach. And like if I saw it on tap somewhere and someone was looking for a recommendation, I'd probably look to this one. You know, I don't think you could really go wrong with at least trying it. So I'm gonna give it a seven. Oh. Okay, a seven. I understand. Uh, that's a, around the ballpark that I'm settling in as well. I mean, um, outside of just the flavor notes, like yeah, it's, it's you know it's completely filtered. Uh, it's it is. I feel like it's still very sweet, even though you know as it's opened up, it's it's still just a very sweet forefront taste. Yeah, um, only eighteen IBUs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I will so, say, with that eight percent, it doesn't feel like eight percent. You, granted, that that is very true. I mean, I haven't really noted that this seems like a, a really alcoholic beverage. Um, but, you know, it, it really does kind of have that cola feel to it. 
you know, almost like if you had Sticking like with a, the cola, huh? Yeah, like a decarbonated uh, cola sure. on your hands here. Um, I think I think that's honestly a pretty accurate way to put it. Like it's a little unorthodox in the way to describe a beer, but honestly, for like listeners, yeah, it's I could I would I have no problem saying that. Yeah, I think whatever you whatever you need to do to get the point across, and so so yeah, I mean, I also think that while there is like obviously some complexity and there are some good things going for it. My drawback would be maybe that the complexity doesn't really even out the way that I've, I mean, even with just the prior beer, like it just doesn't even out or, or show as much sort of uh, simplicity in, in balancing those, that complexity. I don't want to say simplicity and complexity is stupid, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, there's still like a lot of stuff going on. It goes down really smooth and um, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Go go just above you. Notching it up a little bit. I, I, that's, that's the norm. The reg is for me to go just a bit above you. I'm going to stick to the reg. Yeah, who we are to defy norms. <laughs> cool. Well, that's another episode of The Banks. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up, Hunter. This was All a right. fun one. Episode number Sounds 61 good. is done. Yes, sir. So Witty Banter can be found on iTunes just by searching Witty Banter, hitting subscribe, and all of your episodes will show up in your download queue for free. We are also on various other apps like <laughs> Stitcher and Google Play, I believe. But if you don't have any of those, you can just go to wittybantershow.com to download it straight from our website. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Witty Banter Show. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. I am at Bodacious Chase. The show is also on Instagram. That is at Witty Banter Show as well. And finally, you can f- uh, like us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. You can hook up with, with us there. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what our social media game is going to end up looking like here pretty soon. Uh, I'm excited to get in contact contact with more fans and get more people interacting with the show and hunter it looks like you got something to say i got one plug oh uh, yeah so my band is going to be playing in a festival in austin on june 17th the the festival is june 17th and 18th and it's called solstice festival sweet and anybody who can make it out hopefully if you have any sort of interest in it at all there's going to be some big name bands there and there's going to be a lot of local small name bands there like myself so sweet Go to Solstice Fest. Thank you very much. Cool. All right, everybody. That's been Woody Banter episode number 61. For myself and for Hunter, we are out. Have a good night. All right. Good night. Beep, 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 beep.